Thank you. Philippians 1 is where we are in this series now. Philippians 1 and verse 12. I think it will come up on the screen as well. And uh, just while you're looking for that, I might just mention that uh, in the last week I've spoken to Sue Collins, um, who her and Phil and the children used to be here. And uh, she asked me if I would do some blurb for the back of the book that she is about to get published. So I just want to encourage you that if you see that, um, her story, their story is just incredibly moving. And um, she asked me to read through it uh, when, when they were still here. Uh, but they're about to get it published. And their goal is to see people saved through it, which is very fitting for the subject we got today. So Philippians 1 chapter uh, yeah, Philippians chapter 1 verse 12. I want you to know brothers that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defence of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honoured in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labour for me, Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again." Paul is in prison. You would think that would be the last place that he could be effective. But he keeps on preaching the gospel. The gospel is the good news about Jesus Christ. The gospel is the truth. Honest. It's the gospel truth. That's what people say. Now I'm going to highlight three aspects out of this passage. Firstly, that Christ is preached. Secondly, that Christ is honoured. And thirdly, that Christ is glorified. That should be fairly easy to follow. So firstly then, Christ is preached. Now it may come to your notice over the last couple of weeks that we're about to have a general election. So you're going to get really bored of it. So I thought I'd get in early before you get too bored of it. From here, you will hear preaching 
out on the high streets about certain individuals and about how they can make this nation great again, how they can serve the community, how they will make a difference as we leave the European Union and so forth. The television, the radios, the newspapers, the social media, billboards and leaflets will bombard you with images of each candidate for Prime Minister telling you how they're the best. They're the one who tells you the truth and so forth. Not that it's that easy to trust any of them. I don't mean to be overly cynical, but it's not easy. They haven't made it easy. Theresa May said, no election, now we have an election. Several times she has said something and then done the opposite. It's difficult to believe anything she says. But Jeremy Corbyn seems like an honest man in many ways, but appears to have no control over the people he's supposed to lead. How can we trust somebody who can't lead their own party? And Tim Farron seems to be deluded by the idea that the Liberal Democrats are the real opposition, and he has gone into Liberal compromise. It's very difficult to know who to trust. The election appears to be the promotion of the least bad option. And it's frightening in a way. Who can you trust? Who can you put your confidence in? Now we need something that's much more certain than that. They will say and do anything to make themselves look good. And who can be sure that what they will do once they're in power? We need someone we can trust. Someone we can put our confidence in who will not let us down. Somebody who will always be there for us. Somebody who will tell the truth. Paul, in a situation that's incredibly unstable, <coughs> is able to go around preaching about Jesus, even to the imperial guard. So the imperial guard were there to serve the emperor. They were for the emperor. But he feared them not, he preached the gospel to them. Paul is not self-promoting. And nor is he promoting Jesus for a five-year term. He's promoting Jesus for eternity. So Paul is locked up, yet his preaching has informed the whole of the Imperial Guard. They know about Jesus. Do you know whether any got saved? Do you know? If you turn over to chapter 4 and verse 22... You have all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. There are some in Caesar's very household who got saved. Isn't that exciting? That we're preaching about a gospel where Paul is in prison, he's preaching to the imperial guard, and it spreads even to Caesar's household. That's the leader of the empire to his very household. Do you want to know how to make this nation great again? We need to start to preach the gospel then. Because it will reach even to Caesar's household. I don't care who leads the country. What I do care is whether the gospel is progressing. That's what really matters We, and here by we, I mean FCC particularly, 
must preach the gospel. Now, all types of churches have their emphasis. And I've just sort of run through them and thought, what emphasis do I think each of the different types of church has? So you could probably find others. But the Roman Catholics, their emphasis is on that Christ suffers. Now, we might want to emphasise other things, but that's something they emphasise. Nothing wrong with that. That's perfectly good. Christ did, in fact, suffer. The Baptists, Christ cleanses. The URC and the Methodists, they preach that Christ cares. The Pentecostals talk about Christ's power. The Brethren talk about Christ is the truth. The Church of England say that Christ is for all. What is our emphasis? What is the thing that we will be known for in relation to Christ? So there's a question for small groups. That's, going, that's already gone out in the questions. I've sent that out. So there's something for you to talk about already. What's our emphasis? What is it about Christ that we proclaim? See what comes to you. So Christ must be preached. Secondly, Christ is honoured. Live or die, Paul wants everyone to know that he's a follower of Christ. His life or death, your life or death, will show who you honour and what you honour. So everything that you do is a reflection of what it is you honour. So the French artist, Henri Matisse, who lived from 1869 to 1954, just to give you a bit of context... In 1941, he had surgery which left him bed and chair bound and he was no longer free to paint in the way that he had previously because of the way in which he did his art. So what was he as an artist able to do? Now that he was physically unable to do what he was doing, what does an artist do? Well, he got some coloured paper, some scissors and some paste, and started cutting coloured paper up and sticking it to white paper. And it's known uh, through the art world as his cutout phase. And he started to make art out of his cutouts. You see, everything in him had to do art. Everything in him. Even when he was physically unable to do what he was doing before, he found a way to continue. Paul is in prison. He's physically unable to go out into the square and preach the gospel the way he had previously. So what does he do? He finds a way to preach the gospel to the prison guards then. Because if I tell them and they get saved, it will pass on, won't it? And to those who come to see him. Now whether you would like it to or not, What we can say about Matisse is that he did everything in his power to continue to honour his art. I wonder, do our lives honour Christ the way that Matisse honours art? Is that what's reflected through our life? You see, it's not about age or ability or position or situation or money or fame or knowledge. It's not about any of those things. It's not even about charisma. 
You know, there was once a preacher who was so bad, his eyesight was so bad, he used to preach like this. And people still got saved. Because it's not about how it is, it's about who it is through you. You see, we mustn't be afraid of being ourselves with all our frailties and our vulnerabilities and our weaknesses. What we do need to be confident in is the gospel itself. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation, is it? Then we need to live like it is. We need to have an expectation. We need to have a confidence in that gospel then. That Jesus is going to save people. And what, when I say that, I don't mean is as in around the world somewhere at some point. I mean here in Faversham. It's my or your confidence in the gospel. It's what is seen, heard and felt by those that know us. What comes through us. Paul says, to live is Christ. That is his life while on earth. He's a witness to everything that he believes about Christ. His life, his death, his resurrection. Everything is centred around that. Whatever else he's doing. And you know he used to make tents. So he's making tents, but actually he's also living for the gospel. It's how he does it. The way in which he shares with people and communicates. He says to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And he says, I'd rather go and be with Christ than be with you. That's kind of what he said. Why? Because to be with Christ is everything. It's what our whole hope is dependent upon. We're looking to be with Christ. And the older you get, the more you start to think, you know, it would be really nice to just go and be with Christ. (laughs) I've just found out I've got osteoarthritis in my thumb and it hurts all the time. And I'm thinking one day all that pain's just going to go away. It's not that that makes you want to go to heaven exactly, but (laughs) you can understand. It's It's more and more motivation as you get older, more and more bits hurt. And the bits that don't hurt are supposed to support the bits that do hurt. It's getting harder all the time. But there's a day when I'll be renewed. That's a day to get excited about. A day to look forward to. To live is Christ. So while I'm here, it must be about him. Oh, but one day, I get to be with him in eternity. No more aches, no more pains. Probably no more moaning. (laughs) For Paul, remaining has one single purpose, to promote the gospel. That's it. That's why he's here. It was interesting, just just Lou, just talking just now. Actually, it's about so the gospel is made known. So that people understand the truth about Jesus Christ. We must tell people because it is the only hope they have. It's all they have. There is no place, and when I say no place, I mean no place for passivity. No waiting for an opportunity. No, if I get asked, I'll say something. No, being fearful of upsetting people or being seen as weird. There's no room for that. 
People are dying and going to hell. Face it. Stop waiting for an opportunity. Your opportunity is now. You preach the gospel in season, out of season. There isn't anything else. You can preach the gospel in season, out of season, all the time. There's no passivity in Paul's life, is there? Because he understands that life is passing and transient. And for the unrepentant, hell is the next thing. So you can't wait for that. So thirdly, it'll bring us to this point of Christ is glorified. To be alive, actually you might just want to check to see if you're alive. So would you just like to turn to the person next to you and find out whether in fact they are alive? However, you might do that. You've got a pen. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> uh, one or two vulnerable people here. Sam's not sure if he's alive. <laughs> if you're alive, and you should have just found out whether you are or not, <laughs> if you are, you have an opportunity to glorify Christ in this life. You have an opportunity. And we are told in the scriptures elsewhere that there is one thing that causes heaven to rejoice. One thing. That's exciting, isn't it? That is assuming you know what the one thing is. (laughs) That one thing that causes all heaven to rejoice is when one sinner repents. Just one. That's all it takes to get all heaven to rejoice. That's all the angels and all the different types of angels and God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and all the saints rejoice over one sinner who repents. How's that going to happen? It's going to happen because you preach the gospel. When you preach the gospel and people respond to it, heaven rejoices. Do you want to make heaven rejoice? That might be a question for small groups. I don't know if I'll put that in. (laughs) The most glorifying thing you can do is preach the gospel. Now, how are people known after they're gone? So I'm going to throw out a few people, not not literally, but throw out a few people that you would have heard of, and let's see what comes back about how they are known. Elvis Presley. Music. Drugs. Drugs. Please don't say dead, (laughs) because that's the whole point of this. Anything else? Wobbly knees. (laughs) Gospel music. He did sing a lot of it. He did sing a lot. Muhammad Ali. Boxing. Greatest sportsman ever. Floats like a butterfly, stings like a bee. Islam. He converted to Islam. 
to a little cult within Islam called the Nation of Islam that Malcolm X used to belong to. They used to believe in violence as the way to achieve their ends. That's why he changed his name. He used to be Cassius Clay, for those old enough to remember that. <laughs> those are nodding, you're, you're old then. <laughs> Sorry about that. Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> My favourite person. Sorry, what was that? Tyrant. Iron Maiden. Strong and stable. <laughs> Prime Minister. This is potential to be very divisive here. <laughs> Milk snatcher. <laughs> I feel I might be hedging towards an end that's not helpful here. <laughs> Queen Victoria. All of them are dead. Christmas trees. Victoria. <laughs> you don't have to explain yourself. Lots of children. Dressed in black, really loved her husband. British Empire. You see, people are remembered for something. Now, when Billy Graham dies, what will he be known for? For preaching the gospel. Sorry, did I hear something else? I said a fiery preacher. Now, which of those is going to have the best reputation for eternity? <laughs> How difficult can this be? <laughs> no, that's the end of this list. Paul declares that to stay alive on earth means fruitful labour. And that's actually the attitude we need to have. That while we're here, it's going to make a difference. It's going to be fruitful. It's going to bear fruit. He had an expectation that God would continue to work through him. There is no substitute for the gospel being preached. None at all. You can't water it down and it have power. You have to preach it as it is. Now, for those who are here that are not followers of Christ... Or for those who don't believe or are unsure, I want to just tell you a bit about this amazing gospel. But before I do, I just want to tell a very short story. On the 21st of November, 1963, John F. Kennedy was the most powerful, influential politician on earth. On the 22nd of November, 1963, he was dead. I'll tell you that to illustrate the passing nature of this life. None of us knows when we will exit. But one thing you can be assured of, you are going to exit. So what happens after death? Well, since it is impossible to imagine nothing, and by nothing I mean you cannot either see, hear, feel anything, not even the sense of yourself, then something must live on. In fact, in fact, you know deep within that you live on. We know there's something in us that lives and lives on. It used to be, when I was younger, I used to imagine what my funeral would be like. What would people say if anybody came? That, that is the way it used to be. That's the way I used to think then. But you see... 
it's starting to think, actually, I will still be there somehow. I couldn't get away from the fact that I'm still there. No such thing as nothing. The question is, where will we be? That all will be saved is preposterous and actually unacceptable. Hitler, Stalin, Pol Pot, Chairman Mao, are we saying that they can go away with their hideous crimes, walk into eternity, and they're all saved, they're all all right? There's no justice in that. That's not a God of justice, that's a God of injustice. That cannot be right. But if our innate sense of justice cannot accept that all go to a good place, neither can it mean they all go to no place, a non-existence, because it has the same effect. There's no justice. That means you can do whatever you like, murder millions of people, and there's no consequence. That does damage to our sense of justice. And we have an innate sense of justice. We believe in justice. It's there within us. We know that somehow justice must be served. So for sinners, those who reject Christ as saviour are going to be judged, not on what they did to others initially, but on what they did to God. A rejection of God and his ways will lead to a judgment lasting as long as God does. Eternally. There will come judgment for what you did to others. Those who rely on their own understanding, those who say no one's going to tell me what to do, are going to find themselves in an eternity in hell. An eternal torment. No hope. No rest. No peace. Burning. Fire. Thirst. Suffering. It's no good pretending it's going to be different. And what's worse is that those who are there will know that they deserve to be there. Is there then any hope? There is. But there is only hope in this life. Because once you die, that's it. Each person here and out there has one thing in common. We are all sinners. You ask a person on the street if they're a sinner, they will say yes, because they know that they do wrong things. We all do things that we know that we shouldn't. And if we feel that, it's because there is a standard to compare yourself against, God's standard. We know that we are a sinner. If you fall short of that, and I will say that you do, and I do, then only one person can save you. The only person who lived up to God's standard. That is Jesus Christ. His death on the cross has one amazing effect. You see, God placed all sin upon him. All that falling short of God's ideal is placed on Christ on the cross. Your sin and my sin was put on Jesus on the cross. He took the sin and then his perfection is placed on those who believe and follow in his footsteps. 
It's like your sinful coat has been given to Jesus to wear. His spotless coat has been given to you to wear for those who follow him. Those who follow him are wearing the coat of righteousness of Christ. Those who don't are going to die in the coat they're wearing. Believing in Christ is a step of faith. It is. You have to take a step and say, you know, I am going to trust in Jesus. Understanding about the cross may come as time goes on. I remember committing myself to Christ and not understanding why Jesus said, my God, my God, why has they forsaken me? Which now I'd look at and think, what an idiot was I? That seems so important to me now. But understanding can come. There's a step of faith that says, I will trust in Christ. To put it bluntly, for those who are not following Christ, you sin. You know you do. You will die. And you know you will. You will be judged. Your sin will count against you. Jesus died so that you could live. Swap your sin for his perfection and you will live forever in God's house and all of heaven will rejoice. Now that's good news. That is good news. That we who were condemned to an eternity in hell live forever because of Christ. That he put sin to death on the cross. When he died, it died. And we're now free. Now the Alpha Course will help those who want to to understand more. But one step of faith may be to stand today and say, actually, I'm going to take a step of faith that Christ is alive. It is a risk. It is. But one, I think, that is worth taking. One step of faith and accept that Christ is the hope that you need. Let's pray, shall we? Shall we close our eyes? What I'm going to do is I'm going to pray in a way for those who want to follow it. Those who think, actually, I am going to take that step of faith. I'm going to pray for them today. So if this is for you, just follow with me. Lord Jesus, I can't say that I know you, but I am going to take the step of faith and follow you. I'm going to learn more about you and what it means to be a Christian. I believe that you are. And I believe that you can save me. So from today, I will commit myself to knowing more about you and following you. Will you please help me? And if you feel that you are a person who's prayed that prayer and you want, I'd like you to come and tell me about it afterwards. If you feel you would like to go on Alpha, then come and see Sam here at the front. Alpha will explain so much more about who Christ is and what he has done. And if you would like to stand and say, yes, I am standing for Christ. This is between you and God. It's about your eternal 
welfare. They're not worried about what others are saying or thinking. This is about your eternal welfare. Lord Jesus, I stand before you. I want to follow you. I don't know much about you yet, but I want to follow you. Help me. Now, shall we all stand? And Ian and the band are going to come back and lead us. just say do i just say another prayer just quickly lord jesus i pray that you would be glorified amongst us today lord we thank you that your salvation has rescued us and now we want to celebrate that in your name amen